one of those men, by God's grace, we will continue to hold onto one message. If you ever, ever hear another message, if you ever hear another gospel, then you better get another pastor. You see, that one message is what? It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Big Woods Bible Church. We like the woods part, don't we? Like, we live in a beautiful place. But let me tell you this. We love, we love the Bible part. The Bible part. It's one book divided into two portions, Old Testament and New Testament. It's comprised of 66 smaller books. There's 35 different authors over a span of 1,500 years. And yet all of the Bible has one message, one message, one theme. One topic running all the way through. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. The central part of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating this morning. I, I read this week that life is short. Death is sure. Sin, the cause. In Christ, the cure. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings what? It, it, it brings us to celebration. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings direction into our lives. It brings vision and purpose. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings hope into our life. And I am so thankful that the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings joy joy. When you trust and believe in a risen Savior, there are no worries, there's no fears about the unknown or the uncertain. There's no worries about sorrow and sickness and death and dying. There's nothing to be afraid of. I received word two weeks ago from a man in our church who had been gravely stricken with pain. He did not know what was wrong with him. He was taken, obviously, quickly to the emergency room in, in excruciating discomfort. Doctors examined him. Tests were taken. It was determined very quickly that he had nephrolitis. Nephros is what the Greek word for kidney. Lycos is the Greek word for stone. He had what? He had big 4.5 millimeter shard of glass inside of him. He was given the news that this is not good news. This is going to be painful at best. Given some medication and sent home to suffer through it. The very next morning, I received an email from this man, and it says this simply, Praise the Lord, he rolled the stone away. <laughs> I love that. I very quickly replied, he is alive. <laughs> you see, when you trust in a risen Savior, it's nothing to be afraid of. 
Our text this morning is a very brief text found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22. It's a few words, two phrases. One sentence says this, and I quote, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Pretty simple text. In Adam all die, it's a problem. In Christ, all live. It's a solution. In Adam, everyone dies. Problem. In Christ, everyone lives. And the bridge between what? Death to life is the story that we celebrate this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> a man by the name of Paul wrote those words. See, Paul's name used to be Saul, and he hated, he hated this. He hated Christians, and he hated the church. He, he had heard about the life, the, the ministry, the mission of this one Jesus, and he hated it. He hated him. Paul was mean, and Paul was miserable. And then he met Jesus Christ and wrote to Jesus. Not only did he meet Jesus, but he trusted Jesus and everything. Everything changed. The darkness that he was in changed, turned to light. The, the hatred that, that he had felt it disappeared, it dissipated, it, it turned to love. He wrote words like this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Paul became a faithful, faithful follower of Jesus, teaching and preaching and writing and planting churches. And the words that we just read in our text this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Adam all die, so also Christ shall all be made alive, are part of a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth that was a strong and it was a stinging rebuke because this church had wandered away from the truth of the gospel. And it was affecting everything. Their purpose, their, 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 their practice, it was affecting their purity, it was affecting their effectiveness. They were what, as Christ would say, they were like salt that lost its taste. They were like a light that had covered up under a bushel or a basket. So Paul writes this letter, and it comes to a, a culmination in chapter 15, in chapter 15, Paul writes words like this, of first importance, of first importance, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Paul also wrote in that same chapter, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. He understood about the resurrection, what we celebrate here this morning, it, it, is, it is the cornerstone and the capstone of our faith. 
It is the greatest event in the history of all mankind. The, the prophets wrote about it. The gospel writers recorded it. The apostles preached it. And you and I are to tell everyone, tell everyone about it. Why? Because it is the most magnificent and it is the most significant expression of the power of God on behalf of the people of God. Yeah, what about this morning? Like why, like, why is this Easter thing such a big deal? When do we get to the marshmallow peeps? But why is the Easter thing such a big deal? I want some Cadbury chocolate Easter eggs and Easter bunch. Why do I have to talk about death and burial and resurrection? Why? Yesterday morning, clear, oh, cold. I went for a walk early. The sun was just coming up and I... I ended up, oddly enough, where I often end up on a walk. In a cemetery. Cemetery is a sad place. Cemetery is a place where dead people are found. Guess, guess what I found in the cemetery? Dead people. Sad. Olivia Ann, three years, two months. Little, little, little one, buried in the grave. Well, what, 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 why is this Easter thing such a big deal? Because we have a big problem. We have a, a really big, we have one big, ugly problem. It's one problem that is twofold. Sin and death. It's not two problems, okay? It's not sin or death. It's sin and death. You cannot separate the two. Sin brings death, and death is a result of sin. You go all the way back to the very beginning. Genesis, Adam and Eve in the garden. It says this in chapter 2. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Guess what happened? By the time you get from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 5, it says this. For all the days of Adam were 930 years. He ate his tail. Let me tell you that. All the days of Adam were 930 years and he died. He had a son. His name was Seth. It says, thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And he had a son, and his name was Enosh. And it says, thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. And he had a son, and he had a son, and that son had another son. Guess what happened with Uzzah, Lemech, and Noah, and Shem, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Jethro, and Moses, and Joshua, and Saul, and David, Solomon, and Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Peter, and James, and John, Paul, and Silas, and Barnabas, they're dead. They all died. Everyone with the exception of two men, Elijah, and Enoch, that God in his prerogative stepped in and says, I want them with me. Now, ladies, don't think that you get off on this one either. Did you see the list here as well? 
Notice as well that Eve, Eve, she died. Sarah died. Rebecca and Rachel Hannah, they died. Esther, Bathsheba, Rahab, Mary, Phoebe, and Priscilla, Priscilla, an adorable, I'm sure, dead. Every one of them. Why? For as in Adam all die. Problem. Seventy-eight point eight years he got on average. It was freakishly weird, I know, but I got my calculator out and I'm like, oh no. 2046. 2046. June. 2046. I'll be 78.8 years old. I was my great grandsons. I was my great grandkids. Great granddaughters. Benson, you better start behaving yourself, boy. You only got 20 years to get a wife. We think about that. We live with this what? Well, we live with this idea that there's a curse. As it's appointed unto man once to die. The interesting thing is, the whole list that I read to you, they die, but they're not still dead. They, they die, but they're not they're not still dead. Why? So also in Christ shall all be made alive. Solution. B.C., before Christ, everyone looked towards the Messiah. But, Anno, Domino, Domini, we know that everyone looks back at the Messiah. Everything, everything rises and falls on the cross and the tomb. Everything rises and falls on that one message, the message of the gospel. Make several references to that this morning. What is that? There is one holy, sovereign creator, God, who created everyone and everything out of nothing, spoke it into existence. Because the crowning glory of his creation God desired for man to be in fellowship with him. But man disobeyed as we saw in the garden. And as a result, God, there is a reign of sin in that ever since. God so loved the world that he gave his own son. Whoever believes in him let perish whatever has to you know that God did send His Son, Jesus, who lived a perfectly sinless life. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around a little boy that never, ever, ever disobeyed Daddy and Mom. Sinless. Perfectly holy. Yet He was betrayed, arrested, convicted. He was nailed to the tree. It is, it is a death. It's hard to even look upon his skin and shredded off of him and beats of it. He would have scorned and mocked. He swore at him and they spit at him. And in that suffering, he bore the full weight of everyone's sin of all time. 
Now we're back to Trump. Jesus. We're the wrath of that sin. David, David slept with another man's wife. Killed him. Abraham lied. Peter denied. Jesus on that cross bled for it. All of it. Every sin that you have ever committed in the past, every sin that you pride will ever commit in the future, Jesus felt the full weight of his heavenly Father's wrath. He's wrapped up. Joseph Arimathea took him down off the cross in a hasty burial. Placed him in the tomb. They guarded the tomb. They sealed the tomb Friday night, all day Saturday, and then first day on Sunday morning, lunch. He arose. He arose. He sang about that. We continued to say that. We continued to talk about it. We continued to tell us about it. Because when Jesus Christ arose, what? He gives life. He gives life. Everyone who is what ensnared and caught in their own sins. You are slaves to sin. When Jesus rose from the grave, he gives us life and victory. He takes what from, from the darkness of our life. He brings a bright shining light into it. Cried out, it is finished. And the angel said, Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? The reign of sin and death and slavery in your life, my life is over. It's over. It's done with. Been conquered once and for all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, one, no one saw the resurrection, right? No, no one saw it. No one needed to see it. This is the evidence. You saw the man who was dead, then you saw the exact same man who was alive. 500 witnesses witnessed that. You know the living of Christ, if you've trusted Him, is in you, and that you too are a witness of the resurrection. Are you living as a witness of the risen Savior? Yeah, yeah, but, but none of the, the writers of the Bible tried to explain the resurrection, that, at least the pathology of it, the physiology of it. Why, why no one explain it? Because it can't be explained. There's no rational explanation. It's a supernatural miracle, like all the miracles. Kind of nothing God spoke and created everything. The sovereign, redeemer, creator, God is not limited to the laws of science and nature because he wrote them. The resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts how we look at life and also how we look at death. How significant is this? How important is this? So, Lord, Paul wrote this. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that significant, which means what? If you do not confess and if you do not believe, then you will not and you cannot be saved. If there was no resurrection, then what? Your faith is in vain. There's no resurrection, there can be no redemption. You know what gets me every single, every single year at this time? 
National Geographic and Discovery Channel. Run specials. You have to check out Stan and Time Magazine. Time Magazine has Jesus on the cover. Like, what, what is that? These are not pro-gospel organizations and companies. You, you can be assured they're not sitting around a conference room with a whiteboard and saying, now how can we promote the cause of Christ here? We really exalt Jesus. They're not doing that. You know what they're trying to do? It? They're trying to explain away the fact that what? There was a commotion around the resurrection. There's a big commotion. And there continues to be a huge historical commotion. Why? Because people's lives were radically changed. The disciples were literally, they were locked in a room, door closed, in darkness, hoping that no one will ever find them. Don't hurt us. And then what happens? After the resurrection, they're standing out in the street. They're telling people. What? About the death They're telling people what the good news of the gospel. And they're pointing fingers that says, you killed them. Repent and believe radical, radical, dramatic transformation. How, how did that happen? How did it happen that over what, the next two, three hundred years, by the third century, more than 50% of the Roman Empire claimed to follow Jesus. How, how did that happen? How, how did it happen? Then the two millennia since then, biblical Christianity continues to reach every single corner and nook and cranny of the entire world, every continent, every country. How does it happen? Because of good news. Because why? In Christ shall all be made alive. How does it happen that people are still going? Some of you will be going. How does it happen that young people give up like the conference of this place and they live abroad to raise families? How, how does it happen that people will live like in dangerous, dark places and yet they don't live in fear? How does that happen? Because of good news. Because of good news, in Christ shall all be made alive. How does it happen that lives are literally transformed from what is normal or natural? How does it happen that people face sickness and illness and they don't run in fear? We have a woman in our own body that we love and have been praying for journey with her. And she wrote recently, and I quote, I have waited over a week to write this blog in hopes that my mood would improve. I want to be positive as much as possible, but I also want to be real. Real life with cancer downright sucks majority of the time. My life, my family's lives were turned upside down with this diagnosis. I had a very dark week last week and the fatigue is unbelievable. It's indescribable. I was tired physically, 
emotionally and spiritually. I was tired of doing chemo treatments, tired of medical plans, tired of taking all those medicines, tired of constant fatigue and constant pain, tired of everything. Life will never be normal like it used to be. And she continues on. But I will have a new one. Better days are ahead. His mercies are new each morning, even when the days seem dark. God's light shines through the darkness, and He strengthens me. He sustains me. How, how, how does that happen? Good news. In Christ shall all be made alive. How is it that we live in a community filled with people that are hurting? And yet, there are glimpses of God giving hold of lives and completely changing. I lunch this week with a dear friend of mine. So I want to hear your story. He told me a story and I wrote it down and with his permission I want to share it with you this morning. He says, I was born into a home where my father was an alcoholic and abusive. At one point he put a gun to my mother's head and threatened to kill her. They, they divorced when I was young. I was a little boy with a lot of anger. By the time I was 12 years old, in seventh grade, I was fighting with others so much they kicked me out of school and put me in juvenile detention. I had a horrible, horrible temper. I was moved to several group homes and boys' homes, and as they grew older, I got involved in drinking and doing drugs and fighting more and more. I ended up in and out of jail for more than 20 years. My life was a wreck. I was a wreck. This past fall, we gave the labor day. I came to this church and for the first time I heard about Jesus. He loves me. I love coming to church. I love to sing about Jesus. I've since met many people who love Jesus, and I'm learning and I'm growing. I don't, I don't get drunk anymore. I'm different than I used to be. I still struggle with my temper, but I'm learning that Jesus can help me to forgive others. Because I know that He has forgiven me. How does that happen? Good news. Out of, out of darkness, light. Out of death, life. That's just, that's just a couple stories. The difference that the resurrection of Jesus Christ some of you are here this morning. The last time you were in a church was last Easter. 
Perhaps some of you come every single Sunday here in arrogance, but you're still living in darkness. Now put your faith, your trust, your risen Savior. Today I invite you to do that. I would invite you to understand that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to suffer and die on the cross on your behalf. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again so that you too can walk in the newness Don't waste this Easter. It's a question of repeat things. Don't waste this Easter on a hundred sugar covered ham with a black pepper on it. Don't waste the celebration of the resurrection. You silly betrayal. See the full truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. In Christ shall all be made. Father, we love you and thank you for this reminder in Scripture who you are and what you have done for us. And we love you. May you be glorified to each one of us. May you watch over this church and bless it. In your name we pray. Amen.
invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so as we go out, let's consider this Christ, this God, who it is that we're here to worship and celebrate today.
where you go out sharing the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are here, we have served, and we will continue to serve a risen Savior. Would you go in peace?